Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Shall we? Yep. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. In the Rugby Dungeon again, live with JB. Hello Tim. Uh, shoeless, OnlyFans ready. That's absolutely. There's actually a gag in our gym, our CrossFit gym, in case you don't know, I do CrossFit. And <laughs> Wait, it is, do you not call it your box? I, I do call it my box. Good, but yeah, you know, you know, you know, there, let's get some, the vernacular right. There are some people listening who might not have been Olympic lifting today, so you know, <laughs> you've got to use words that they understand. And the gag is that this girl does actually do an OnlyFans for her feet, and I'm not sure if it's a joke or, or if it's real. <laughs> she, she has nice feet, I'll give her that. Do you, um, do comparable um, entrepreneurs, I guess you would call you, do, do you not share tips with her about <laughs> well, foot, foot condition? You say comparable entrepreneurs, right? I think it's like Shell and Shell and Exxon Mobile discussing <laughs> drilling tactics. Um, there's a bit. Of dr- there's some drilling tactics on OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> How you doing, Phil? Hello, Tim. Just I'm on the, very good. On the fifth thing, like I can, I could see objectively. Oh, that's a, a disgusting looking pair of feet, and that's a, a more a dainty, attractive, attractive looking feet. But I've never looked at feet, and oh, I suppose a horse, of course, is a horse, of course, each is, to their own. But it is. Weird. Are there any? There's only one famous person I can think of, off the top of my head, who, who has a foot fetish. Former, my, the former um, head coach of my <laughs> beloved New York Jets. Is that who you're I mean, like, such an irrelevant reference now, isn't it? Like Rex, Rex Ryan. Ryan. Rex Ryan had a fo- had a foot fetish. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, like for all he's all he's achieved, that's what we will remember him for. <laughs> he didn't achieve anything. Well, no, he, he did. did. He, he was, did. He was a good defensive coordinator at Atlanta. He took us to a. Was he Atlanta? Uh, no. He didn't get the job at Atlanta. No, he didn't get the job at Atlanta. He uh, and he got us to a couple of AFC 
championship games. He made Mark Sanchez look like a quarterback. That's impressive. Yeah, he played <laughs> he played ground and pound football that, that that wasn't very attractive to watch, but it was quite effective. I loved it. Which probably leads us on to our first talking point of England. Well, and no. their World Cup squad. Before we go there, though, a quick reminder that um, we're the only podcast that's there for you fifty two weeks of the year. So here you go. Another Monday morning comes around, and we've got. We've got an episode for you. I think there's another podcast which is doing all-round yearly service. 52 weeks of the year? I believe there is, yeah. Really? I believe there is. I believe it's our friend Ed Slater and... Oh, fantastic. Can't believe Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts, thank you very much. Sorry, Sam. Yeah. I, your, na- your name right. escaped me then. Good, good lads. So, so there, there, there is one other. Yeah. And, uh, but, Eddie, you know, grassroots podcast, we, we, we can give a shout-out to them. I, I will also say Eddie Stevens' rugby ranter banter quite often misses the odd week. Um, uh, but he's he's been doing stuff over the summer so check him out as well uh, but yeah you can find us well wherever you get your podcast hit subscribe that's one way you can show your appreciation you can go and listen to loads of old episodes to give us uh, another listen account even or just tell you what when you fall asleep just press play yeah and just leave it leave it running through the night so that's what, one way you can help the us the way that I boost our numbers is for every phone that I get rid of well, I'm not getting rid of it. I don't. I no longer use. I have like a, a, a wall of them, and I automatically <laughs> press play on every one of them every night. Yeah. Uh, and also, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/eggchasers, where we will do another little extra bonus, possibly spicy episode. Well, we Seems- need to get the King's Council one up. Yes, because that is actually genuinely very good po- podcast about something which you would never expect happening to podcasters. <laughs> True. Apart from you. Apart you from you. No, no, I was going to say, if people said which podcaster <laughs> and then told the story about your your um, about what happened with the King's Council, which podcaster did this happen to? I think it would be easy. If it was, it was, it was Family Fortunes among, among, <laughs> among rugby fans, you'd be the who obvious got, top answer. Who got threatened by a barrister? <laughs> <laughs> But you're Stephen Jones, top answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll try and get that one up as well. But patreon.com slash eggchasers. Yes, England's World Cup squad. We're going to rattle through that. We've got the, uh, what else we've got to talk about? The, the World League and Six Nations changes, uh, the preview for the Rugby Championship. And then we've got, I've got a bunch of emails that we can get through as well. Mm, it's all going on. So, England's squad. Could you summarise it, Phil? We've now got 41, 46 names if you include the injured players, right? Yeah, 41 plus 5 in rehabilitation. Um, <sighs> summarise it. In some positions, it fa- feels fairly uh, kind of static, which in some positions is good thing, some positions is bad thing. And there are there's a few surprises in there as well. Um, biggest surprises, number nine, is probably the single biggest surprise to me. But it's not a surprise in a good way, is it? No, uh, not really. So, I, yeah, well, so let's start there. The three scrum yeah. halves in the squad, yeah. which basically I think at this point says these are the three scrum halves that are going to be going to France. Yeah. Or, or potentially two from three. Because I know I know yeah. Eddie Jones and others have taken only taken two. I can't see that being the case though. No, okay. I, I don't know. It depends how scrum half is not the most attritional position, and it's not like I know um, Ben Spencer got called up for a World Cup final, so he was on a flight out to Japan a few days before the World Cup yeah. final. But you don't have that problem in France. You just yeah, you, you can be there in two hours, and they're if based need in Le Touquet, which is right on the northern coast. Their team camp is right up there in Brittany so they're basically in England anyway if, so if you're going to be skinny in one position scrum half is not a bad way so, to, so, yeah. to split your squad so the three players are Danny Kerr Jack Van Portvliet and uh, Ben Youngs Ben Youngs no, ben no, Youngs. no Rafi Quirk Alex Mitchell sent back no to Northampton 
No Ghost War. Not in the England squad. Uh, and again, Ben Ben Spencer, absolutely screwed over by it. By Owen Farrell. So. Uh, well, it was notable that Ben Spencer was in the squad. Until Owen Farrell showed up. And then, uh, while Owen Farrell was not in the squad. Yep. Now, I think we would all have Rafi Quirk and Alex Mitchell, certainly Alex Mitchell, in the mix. And I think it's rather than talking about the relative merits about, oh, we can't believe he's got him and he hasn't got him. I, th- I think it's more interesting to just jump ahead and say, what do we think that decision alone at Scrum Half means about the way that Steve Borthwick's going to play the That's game? great, great question. Great question. And it's, well, it sounds clear to me. It's going to look a lot like Leicester from a couple of years ago. In fact, it's almost surprising he hasn't bought Wigglesworth with him. Well, Wiggles- Wigglesworth was in camp. Oh, he's, he's a third camp. scrum off. He was there co- we go. <laughs> he was in camp doing some coaching, I noticed, from the uh, yep. O2 in- Inside Line video that got released last week. I think week. you're right. And as you said that, um, you wouldn't have heard this, but Phil and I were both nodding vigorously <laughs> as he said we're going to get Leicester from two years ago. Well, yeah. this makes sense, right? So the thing about Leicester from two years ago is they are all about possession and pressure. Mm-hmm. Now, when you play international rugby, the reason international rugby is so much more traditional than... Club rugby, well, not always. I mean, the way that La Rochelle plays is pretty attritional for the other team. But, you know, the reason it is is because you don't have the the benefit of time together. So with England, they come into camp. You need to put together a game plan which is going to be as good as it can possibly be for a limited amount of games. And that involves basically your best players playing a pressure-based game because that's the easiest to coach. And that's what... Leicester, uh, that's what Leicester were doing. So you are going to see this because it, Leicester played the most like an international team. It makes complete sense. Mm. And to add to that, winning World Cups, uh, it's rare that you get a team... Uh, rare? It's never happened that you get a team who is going to be scoring 40 points in the knockout stages every round. They're, they're yeah. not going to be going coast to coast every single time and, in a World Cup knockout game. And I think people get attritional rugby wrong, actually, because... You say attritional rugby and it's negative. It starts attritionally, but when you break a team down because you've battered them for 40 minutes, you get a lot of points. So it's not... South Africa World Cup final. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It might be the the biggest win in a World Cup final because they absolutely battered England up front for 60 minutes and then the floodgates opened. Yeah, and that's how it works. New Zealand kick more than anybody else Mm. and then they score loads and loads of points. Uh, And do you know what else? If If we were just being detectives trying to work out solve a story here and the England squad was a a true crime podcast then you'd be going ah I've got another bit of evidence Johnny May is still in the England Mm. squad Mm. what would that mean because Johnny May has not been in the England team for a long time he has not been playing well for his club but he is one of the best at chasing kicks Yep. yep. You tell him what to do and he'll do it. I'm not sure he's going to finish a crossword for you, but if you tell him exactly what he needs to do, he'll go he'll go and get that ball. Yeah. And the back row as well is interesting. So uh I was going to say Guy Mercer, not Guy Mercer. Zach, Zach Mer- Mercer. Zach Guy Mercer. Imagine <laughs> him getting called up. <laughs> Guy yeah. Mercer and his brother Ben Mercer. <laughs> Author of a great book. Zach Zach Mercer um being who May or may not have been described as a uh, peacetime number eight during his stint at Bath by this podcast, um, who is very good when you've got front football and you are going to be spreading it wide. Um, but he's not particularly the kind of number eight you want when you don't have the ball for long stints of the game. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if your game was going to be yeah played played with thirty five percent possession, 
you don't the, want him. Then Zach Mercer is not the number eight you need. As much as I absolutely love and, and would have had him in my squad, and I was really excited about him being there, he's been sent back. It, and I, and if I could summarise this, I would say we are going to get, with a couple of exceptions, and it'd be interesting to talk about the back row because that's where mm. a couple of these exceptions are. We are going to get. It looks like Eddie Jones's 2019 squad yep. ag- again. Not yeah, not not that far. Who are the second rows? Uh, so, so you've only got. So it depends how you class it. It's OG and Laws and George Martin. Toji, so I don't think any of them. You got Ch- Chesham is reco- rehabilitating. You got Johnny Hill and Ribbons as well yeah, yeah. as two big, yeah, yeah, big right. bulky bodies. So do you know someone's going to have to go here because I think he's going to go with. So all right, conflicting thoughts. One is the importance of importance of the lineouts. The other is the importance of getting the ball back off the opposition. So those are my conflicting thoughts. So if I want to get the ball back from the opposition, Curry, Willis, that's nailed on. Then you've got a Billy or you go full out, you go Pierce and something like that. And also the three, any four of those, not a dynamic carrier in the way that Mercer is, but hey, if you're going to play attritional rugby with no space, they're not bad options. Mm-hmm. That's the first one. But then they do lack something in the second row. So I wouldn't want to go to a World Cup final with Itoji and Laws in my second row or Itoji and Ribbons Chesham Hill maybe is your next best option just as a big guy Chesham is a good good he loves George Martin I love George Martin we've been saying this for a long time he absolutely loves George Martin is is George Martin big enough to do the um, tight headlock rule no No. because Itoji's going to start and probably Laws is going to start I think George Martin is is a laws laws is backup basically. So well, yeah, I can I can see that. I mean, as I would a like to see laws, six, but could do a job in the second row. I'd like to see laws and Atoji, and when they play together, Atoji then moves over to the tight head lock role. And look, Atoji's no small man, is he? But I think when you're looking at the absolute tier one locks, the tier one partnerships, is he big enough to be the big guy? Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, in. Mm. I suppose another interesting angle there, when you build this picture and you look at the the South Africa team that won the World Cup last year, last is, year, last time, where, last time, maybe where England have enhanced their options from Eddie Jones' squad is in the front row. Uh, well, uh, no prop, specifically prop, because we could just touch on hooker briefly. The, the hooker stable is looking very, very bare. You've got Jamie George with seventy-seven caps, Jack Walker recovering three caps, Jamie Blamire I think two caps. Uh, Theo Dan uncapped yeah and that's some of the capped, thread, that's threadbare the capped guys who are not in the squad obviously uh, Mullet Hyphen Dickey misses out Jack Singleton yeah injured George McGuigan uh, I know he only got one or two caps Nick Dolly we've not seen for a long time yeah so. have, you seen his, have you seen his Instagram by the way <laughs> I don't, don't go on Instagram I would recommend his Instagram because aside from being a rugby, pl- rugby player, he's also a qualified PT. So some of the stuff which he does, which is specific for his role as a hooker, is incredible. Mm. So it's well worth watching. That's cool. That's yeah. interesting. It makes me think of uh, my old mate, Para. Petrus, who, yes. Petrus 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 yeah. Why was he a PT? He was a physio. He was a physio. Yeah. physio. He was a, he was a but he used physio. to do all sorts of scrummaging type stuff yeah. with bands around his head in different directions. And, and it yeah. got him to... Well, yeah. some serious coaching gigs, including being Australia's scrum coach yeah. for a period, which he got let go when uh, Eddie came in. Uh, but the point I was making was, Sorry, you've got some large men that Steve Borthwick has retained in the squad. And finally, Val Rapava-Ruskin is in the mix. 
Yeah. Joe Marler is still in the squad as a loose head prop. And those two alone, as two loose head options, may not, both of them, you'd imagine one of them, maybe both of them won't make the squad perhaps. But the fact that those two men are still in the mix says to me, because you've also got Bevan Rod, so he could take it in a different direction. Mm. But, but it says to me that he's going as big as he can in the front row. Yeah, I mean, with with the tight head side as well. So you've got Will Stewart and Dan Cole, who yeah. are not... Along with Sinclair. Yeah, you, they're not mobile, yeah. but they are big. Yeah. And then Sinclair being the... Yeah. Will the Stewart really needs to come of age. I mean, he that does. is the important one. If he doesn't fire, they've got massive issues because I don't see... Dan Cole, with all due respect, is an amazing player, an amazing service to the game, and he can still scrimmage. He's not the guy I want in a defensive line against the All Blacks or Wales or Fiji or anyone, really. Uh, and that's a problem. That's a massive problem because people will, will start to target him. Um, Sinclair, for me, has not been a very good player all year round. He's improved. It, like He wasn't good since the last World Cup when he was really good. The last World Cup, he was one of the best players yeah, on the planet. exactly. Mm. And, and then he dipped right off. And he, it, you saw glimpses in the Six Nations that actually, like he demolished Ireland. And uh, there was glimpses that, okay, maybe he's getting back a bit of mojo. I hope so, because he's such an asset. But again, it's only one guy. And you think about how South Africa is yeah. structured and just the sheer amount of artillery that they can bring mm. off the bench. I think England's options are just not that good. They're just yeah. not that good. And you, it did expose the weakness of just having one good guy in the last World Cup final where he goes off to, after four minutes. And that's... It's not the only problem. England played a... It was it's Hoji and Laws in the second row against a, a much bigger pack. And you can go back uh, a couple of years and even a year on this podcast, and it's not that me and Phil were calling for it, but we were saying, do not be surprised and do not write off Ford being 10, Farrell being 12 at a World Cup. Write that off. Like Eddie Jones. Because, no, wait, Ollie Lawrence is currently injured and may not make the World Cup. That's a problem. Which Dan, means, Dan which, Kelly was released from the squad Dan Kelly was re- released from the squad, which means basically your 12 <laughs> hopes are pinned on, guess who? Guess who? Manu oh, Tuolangi. The, 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 no. So the, centre, yes. the, the traditional centres in the squad are Henry Slade, 13, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Marchant, 13, 13 Manu Tuolagi, 13, now 12, but can now play 12. 12. He has been 12 at sale the last two seasons, to be fair. Yeah. Um, um, but not impressive. Yeah. One impressive game, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Guy Porter. So 12 yes. and 13. 12, Hitch. 13. More a 13 Hitch. than a 12, because it's normally Kelly 12, Porter 13. But he bangs. Yeah. But, oh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love Guy Porter. I love Guy, but, Guy, Guy Porter. I, but, I think the, looking at the squad... But, it, but if, 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 Ollie, if Ollie Lawrence is not available, and yeah. all your hopes at 12 are pinned on Manny Tulangi, again, Ford 10, Farrell 12. People will hate it, but it may be the best option England have. If, if you're going to give the ball away and defend, kick... kick um, strategically and defend hard it's not the worst option in the world I, I want to know what JB thinks about that <laughs> I mean, it, it's not a great option it's just not a great option it's been tried it's been tested it's failed many many times well, it got to a World Cup final <laughs> it failed I mean you've got to win World Cups that's why you're there it got the, had the uh, JB Cup for an extended period of time equaling the tier one uh, consecutive wins well we don't know that because, because all the staff retired <laughs> for the, so the JB we, Cup we don't know where the staff so it, was, it was staffed at that point in time yeah it, it had a full office <laughs> we know that that combination equaled the, the world record for tier one consecutive victories yeah, it I mean, did. it's all very good, but still, you've got to go and win, <laughs> go and win World Cups. I, mean, I don't know what to say. You need to win a World Cup. Um, I think you, they might have to go with it. 
I mean, I, I, I like the combination. Personally, I like this combination of Slade and Marchant when I've seen it. The problem is, and this is pointed out to me by a very, um, a very astute rugby writer, maybe the most astute rugby writer, I kind of agree with him when I think about it, but Slade has not really fired in his national shirt. And it's a shame because he has all the attributes you want for almost every position that he plays in. But I can't... Re- I mean, I think, can think of one great game and he played with Marchant. But that's it, really. Mm. He just seems to be the obvious solution to I, 12. I do... I, well, I, did, I disagree on and the then obvious, obvious solution to 12. I would have said that five, six yeah, years ago. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Like, historically, yeah. Yeah. you'd have said that is the guy who you want to yeah. play 12. Yeah. 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 Uh but I also don't think you can judge Henry Slade's performances at, at 13. That They have to be judged in context. And that position, generally, in a team, plays well. Well, they probably, well certainly that type of player plays well in, in, in a pack which is dominant. In a Well, it, pro- it probably plays well in a, in a back line that doesn't include Ford and Farrell. Because with the best will in the world, not everybody can pass the ball. That's why yeah. Guy Porter is such an important player for me. Because who else is going to carry the ball? The other two are busy passing it. You, know, you need guys with attacking threat, whether it be you know someone like Manu or Guy Porter who are going to smash smash people, or Elliot Daly who's going to run like a train. Someone someone's got to do that do that job, and you don't get it through Ford and Farrell. You get other things, and that's great, but then you've got to sort of sacrifice elsewhere. Yeah. I, I think the bigger problem with Slade, um, and I think he has played well in an England shirt, but probably not that much recently. But I don't think he's played well in any shirt particularly recently no. he's not had like the last season and it, it coincides with Exeter dropping off considerably but he's not the form centre the form centre is Ollie Lawrence and, yeah and do you know one of the more concerning things is when Exeter start shedding players or aren't they indeed have shedded players I think they were looking for some key guys to step up and take him to the next level and you might argue that Slade was one of those key guys to take him to the next level as was Hogg and neither of them really did it and that's a shame for Exeter because a lot of hope was put on both those lads just to carry mm. on pushing forward. Never happened. Mm. So that's that, that's the England squad as it currently stands, which on the, what's the date? Um, I think it's like two weeks' time or two or three weeks' time, the the squad. No, it was like the end of end of July. I think it's like 25th of July, something like that. Or is it 7th of August? No, no 7th, 7th of August, I think it is. Anyway. So that's one month from the... 7th of August would be one month from the World yes, Cup. Yes, there you go. So. That would make sense. So 7th of August, the squad will be announced. So there's only one... There's only actually one warm-up game before that squad for England. What game is that? On the 5th against Wales, I want to say. Is it? Oh, God, that's going to be a horrible game. <laughs> I, Where, I, yeah, Wales-England on the 5th. So so basically, the, 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 games the team is being selected based on and this next month in camp. England-Wales on the 12th. So England play Wales and Wales. And then Ireland on the 19th. And then uh, Fiji on the 27th. Is that right? Yeah. Fiji on the 26th of August, yeah. which is about two weeks out from the World Cup. Yeah. So four warm-up games in August. Yeah, I mean, some countries mm. like New Zealand... I've only got two. But they've got a championship. Ireland have only got two. Mm. England have got four. four. Yeah. Now, part of that does feel like... Give me some money. You've got to get some revenue through Twickenham. Like, I mean, look, there's no denying it. I'm all about slamming the RFU at the moment. I think there's a little bit of an extra one to this, which is 
the Irish team don't need to know anything, anything more about how the Irish team play. Yeah. This is a relatively new England team. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's the same England team. It's a relatively new coaching Coach. structure. Yeah. And they don't have as much time together as the Ireland team. I mean, Ireland know they can lose against La Rochelle. They know that they can um, lose against <laughs> Munster, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, you know. I, I, I know that 80% of that team have uh, got to four out of the last six um Heineken Cup finals and yep. choked and, and they won far fewer so they're, they're a known URCs. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they know exactly they, what they did. They know where they're going to choke. <laughs> Semi-final, uh, sorry, quarter-final, go home. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother with the um, with the injury risk. <laughs> so moving on, Bree, let's, let, let's not get too bogged down in this. But just uh, um, the world, the Nations League has been confirmed. Completely uninspired, but from, please continue. So from twenty twenty six, from twenty from twenty twenty six, a now is the tournament being run over two years or is it every two years? That's one thing I couldn't quite tell. I th- I had it in my head that it's being run over two years, as in you'll play home and away over the two years. But I I don't actually, I don't think it's been announced. I, I don't think it's that clear. Yeah. Because uh, we got one email, um, uh, which, which again I, I couldn't quite. But M- Martin, I'm hoping it's the two year thing, and this isn't the case. But Martin, coach, thank you very much. Contact Chasers at gmail dot com uh, says by playing every other year the same Six Nations games. Uh, this is he, he's basing this on the, the the BBC story, and I agree it's written a little bit vaguely. Like I couldn't quite. I, I can't work out exactly what the format is. Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah, I don't think it's been announced, no. so yeah. you've got to fill in the blanks. Okay, so by playing every other year, the same Six Nations games will happen, i.e. England will play home against Wales and Ireland every time. Not sure this has been thought through proper, properly. Uh, this is what I think it is played over two, uh, two years, so both England-Wales games will count towards the wider Nations League over mm. a two-year period, one home game, one away game. Yeah, that was what I was assuming, but... It is you've got to fill in the blanks because I've got the the world rugby statement in front of me and it's about I don't know maybe 150 words like there's there's not that much meat on the bones from no. world rugby yet. The, the the issue I have with it is that the uh, I can understand what's going on I can understand why it may even work as a spectacle for fans but when you look at the bigger picture and you zoom out and. Uh, I've always said start with the objective of what you want and work back from there and the objective I want is to have 10 or 12 teams that could legitimately win a World Cup in 20 years time and this is going to be a, I, I think a barrier to that happening because it's going to concentrate more and more of the wealthy yeah. rugby in, in in those 10 hands that are already the dominant nations who don't need any help to develop and it's going to limit the development of the other sides well okay there's multiple ways I'm thinking about this now so fundamentally I do agree with you but if I was going to make a different argument I would say rugby's nowhere near as strong as you think. And you just look at the financial landscape now, saying that those 10 teams don't need any help developing. Well, they don't need any help developing relative to everybody else, but actually they do need help. I mean, the unions are not in a good place. I agree, and that's Mm. why they've made this... That's why this will work in that sense. But what Mm. I'm saying is, again, as we've always talked about the the metaphor with the pie, it's, yes, you want to take your slice of that pie, but actually... I, if you just get these ingredients, the pie you'll get in a few years' time will be much bigger. Yeah, I mean, to me, not only are you right in saying what you say about it's going to sort of freeze out everyone else other than the top ten, 
because the top 11 doesn't work and the top 12 kind of fit into the format well, we've seen an 11 team league worked that perfect, tr- perfectly yeah, fine that is, that's absolutely <laughs> true I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> uh, uh, is Darren Childs going to win the league because if he's not I'm not interested um, so there's, there's there's that form of cannibalisation sort of you know building a barrier around it but the other form of cannibalisation which I'm far more concerned about is the effect it's going to have on domestic leagues so the Premiership are going to are going to have to give something up because as I understand it the top players will be playing less so if they're playing less but they're playing one extra international game who is that, who is that going to cost and my guess is it's going to be the clubs so you're currently in a situation where you know they're just looking to get that little bit of extra revenue from the English game the English club game is suffering I think it's dead frankly give it five years and then across the channel you've got a model of what rugby should be domestically to get the most interest and that would be France and I would say on the Nations League and thinking of France bearing in mind their domestic league and when that finishes well into June uh, and, and you map that onto this Nations League thing I can well see France sending for their Southern Hemisphere games in the summer I can well uh, where are they going is it in the autumn it's, it's autumn it's, isn't it yeah did they, did they actually say so are they scrapping summer tours this is what I mean like are they we you can't you can't you can't scrap it. No, so the international competition, the men's game, operating across the July and November right. windows. So, so, my so they will have a combining, but the it summer. won't be a, it won't be like a three test tour. Yeah. it will be a Southern Hemisphere tour type Correct. thing. Right. So, my, and I mean, there are travel logistical issues in this, and there's there's it's going to be like you'll play uh, France, for example, will go and they'll play all the three, all the three or four teams uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, but they'll play them at in two or three of the countries so one of the countries will visit another so there's there's logistical travel issues mm. there uh, which they're trying to mitigate but it's still a bit of an undertaking but i predict for that reason and with and you've talked about the french domestic league being in such rude health france will just send a bunch of kids yeah i can see something like that now, uh, to their southern hemisphere part. Like a development a de- they'll send team. a development team well but partly this is part of the problem with the whole thing that the there historically has been overlap in between the summer window and the French, the top fourteen finishing, just because they have got to play more games than everyone else. No, and that they're not going to. This is my, one of my frustrations with the whole thing that until you actually sort out the global calendar from a club perspective as yes. well, then it, you're just you're kind of messing about. You're never going to make it fully work. Yeah. The other thing as well is is this run over two seasons this competition that's what we were debating yeah, before I believe, it's not, so. I believe it is as well. yeah my understanding is yes but I don't believe it's clear like, who is going to be so the beauty of say the NFL and Super Rugby has actually done this pretty well recently is you can understand the competition and it's in a block and if you're into it you know you're going to yeah, yeah. week after week after week Super, Super Rugby is like 15 weeks yeah same yeah. as the World Cup right so the World yeah, Cup yeah. is incredible because it's here I mean, and that's, you can get into that that is one of my biggest points on this that the global calendar alongside the club game I, I really think it needs to be more like the the um, Southern Hemisphere where you have the ITM Cup or Mighty Cup then you have yeah. Super Rugby then you have your international window and then one merges to the other to the, to the other yeah. so, you, so you're not getting well this week, Gloucester are playing uh, La Rochelle in the Heineken Cup, but last week they were playing against Sale, and then the following week is going to be England because you're playing those games across April and uh, yeah, January and February. Sort of going to a crescendo, it does make yeah, sense. Yeah. Like the absolute best of the best, and then you—I mean, the Six Nations actually does that. But as any sport, I can't think of a single sport that has tried to run a competition infrequently over the course of two years. 
over this, two years. Well, the Nations League football. This is how that's yeah. How, that's, this is how, this is what but they've sort of mapped it but from. F- but that, but, 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 but at least, no one, at least no one that really has clear. About- no one really cares about <laughs> it. Firstly, second, but secondly, they have very clear promotion relegation all the way down from the the from the very very poorest team to the very best. I've not even heard of Nations League. I mean, I'm sure it's very, is, it, is it any good. Well, that's what the game well, happening recently. But yeah, I, I, I yeah. think your average it's, your average fan doesn't pay attention to no, uh, no. To, the, to that table I, well, I don't think that's but football is football is um, big enough and viable enough that that's just kind of nice to have whereas rugby whatever the structure they make is it could actually be make or break for the sport in itself yeah. and like, it's not it's, even it's clear that fundamental. to me that the financial power of this league will be that much greater than the top 14 the reason I say that is because Yes, they're going to fill out stadiums, but they won't have as many le- league, uh, m- as many games as the top fourteen. Mm-hmm. And number two, the expenses must be through the roof. Yeah, yeah. You know, to get everyone where they need to be in the logistics and whatnot, like how can it be that profitable to be flying these teams all the way o- over the globe continuously with their, all their kit, with all their support stuff? It doesn't make much sense. And then to top it off, like a tour is interesting, right? Because a tour is like. A little micro series, and well, a how good of the tour. was that Ireland New Zealand three yeah. three match series? Yeah. That was the last one we we're ever going to see, and it, uh, that's awesome. incredible. Whereas this isn't. So like, oh yeah, well Ireland beat uh, it, um, New Zealand, but next week something else might happen, so that doesn't matter. I mean, uh, what are we watching? And it's a very risky experiment, which I don't think has been well. It's been thought through, just well, not by very bright it, people. It, it is more tinkering going on, and it isn't. And, and again, it doesn't feel like. And this is the, the biggest issue I have. And this goes to Phil's point. This feels like. It's a solution for now, but it will change again. Probably, it can, it can many, has to. probably several times in the future. Yeah. Yeah, probably because it has to, but consequently, it's like just. It's, well, well yeah. we talked about this before. You need to get a blank bit of paper and start again because it's. Well, well you, you're, a, you're putting your finger in one hole in the in the boat and having I, to take your finger out of another one. Water's still coming in. Yeah, so there is one other angle with this, which is the continual turf war which is going on between club rugby and international rugby. Mm-hmm. So, you know. World Rugby are meant to be the governing body for the world game. I mean, I don't know who I'm surprising by saying that, but that's what they're meant to do. Uh, and they seem to want this sort of territory of getting all of the international games. And the reason that, that they want that is so they what? potentially can you know, distribute that money. They don't own Six Nations, for to, example. Yeah, to poor um, nations. Right? The, yeah, the exactly. championship, Sansa. Which is why if you look on the World Rugby website all you ever see is not website twitter, twitter account all you ever see is sevens because they own the sevens yeah yeah right, so and then the world cup obviously they own that but that's once every four years yeah so they don't actually have any highlights to put up because they don't own any of the highlights mm. which is quite quite interesting so you've got this sort of turf war go- going on now world rugby would love to own the whole lot i'm sure they would the unions as in the home unions love owning the six, six nations and then you've got the clubs that want their players back because they pay them every, every single you, every single week, every single month, and they coach them and everything else. And you've got all these different different models, so there is a massive struggle, and this is just part of that struggle. Just something you mentioned the um, the player welfare and more England games, more international games. Oh, but now just on that, England is one of the few um, countries where uh, the the number of games is less of a problem for two reasons. One, you've got six fewer league games than you had, or you were supposed yep. to have the year just gone. Um, but also the fact that the England 
teams are becoming weaker and weaker. They're going to have fewer European games. They'll just play the group stages. Yeah, they will. So they might in, English players. The best English players might actually have ten fewer club games than they <laughs> have just the last two years. I hope so. I, I really hope so because that is literally the only way to solve the concussion issue is less games. The only way. <laughs> Thank you. That is. <laughs> hang on. Is fewer discreet? They're playing. They're, they're playing less. There are fewer, fewer games because you'd have. Yeah, there are fewer games because you have. From a player's perspective, you can play a percentage of a game, but a percentage of a game doesn't get completed. You complete whole games. Right, so a game is binary; it's complete or not completed. Roger that. So you are correct. Um, what was I going to say then? Less, fewer games. You throw me off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes, yeah. The only way to solve the concussion thing now on the welfare thing. Yeah, I, I, I detest the welfare stuff. I detest it because. The number when someone says the number one priority of rugby is player welfare, well, that's clearly a lie. It, it has to be a lie. The safest game of rugby is no rugby. If d- you know, d- it well, just is, I, d- I think what the six. Na- I know what you're touching on here because this ties in with another decision which has been announced, uh, which uh, just a press release came out from Six Nations saying that from next season, from, from yeah, from 2024. Oh yeah, the, from 2024, the, the Six Nations will operate over a six-week period rather than the seven-week period. So the, up till now, or in the last number of years, the structure has been game one week, uh, week one game one, week two game two, rest week game, rest week game. Yeah. Now they're getting rid of the second rest week, so there's only one rest week in the middle. There's five games played over six weeks. Mm. Good. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm done with that. Yeah, yeah we've said that for a while. But, yes, yeah. and, and and that is contrary to the all player welfare, all player welfare, and, and and I actually think that the well, the one uh, more international game is contrary to the player welfare. Yes, but uh, yes, but also the the yes, it is the the one extra game and the reduction of rest weeks in the six. And we just wish we could be honest and say player welfare is important because it's important, it is important, but, yeah. but it's not your number one concern. I think. Well, the, it's, yeah. my my view would be to, and this is a point you've made in the past actually that player welfare don't just look at it through the narrow lens of injuries like f- players financial welfare do you want a job is, yes. is important so this is giving any England player the opportunity to earn an extra 20 grand in that period where salaries within England are falling and so also, exactly. financial yeah. this does actually yeah. if you take the broader which is um, your kind of argument Jamie if you take the broader approach well- to player welfare a lot more of a hit on welfare of, of players you ask yeah Who's got the bigger welfare issue in the next year? The players that are playing and might risk injury or the players that don't have a job? Yes. Yeah, that had a job a year ago. Precisely. Yeah. Or, or even worse, the players on 40 grand that have to step in to play the, to play the club games. And who've got a 700k mortgage. Yeah, because the England guys are, are away. Like, the, the polarisation of rugby salaries is nuts, considering... Like, in my mind, there should be a minimum salary... For the Premiership, yeah, and there should be a maximum squad size, and away you go. Mm. But you know, and, they're and, not as clever as me. And I can verify that. And I can't speak for Nick. I can't speak for Nick and say what what he earned. But all I know is what the highest amount of money he got. And bearing in mind he was a, a Premiership player that won the he won the London Irish Player of the, player year. Of the year. Yeah, and <laughs> the amount he got uh, he earned that year caused. Um, Did he make more tackles and earn pounds? <laughs> it's not far off, mate. And, and to the point that, uh, yeah, it will be much lower than what you're, what you're suggesting the minimum amount should be. <laughs> and uh, Brian Smith, who was the, the DOR at the time at London Irish, just sort of when he signed a new contract, just went, 
I just basically sort of made a comment like, oh my God, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? It's so, but like so many lads, like the most frequent, I've said this so many times, I can't say enough, the most frequent salary found in the premiership is Mod- about £42,000. Yeah, modal salary. Yeah, I, I just blows my mind. So, yeah. That's another player welfare angle for, for you. But yeah. We don't talk about that but because they, they'll never talk. They never say the most important thing is paying our players. But the, but at least it looks like the and I I don't agree with the Nations League. I, I think well because it's going to have to be tinkered with, and that that's I'd rather they just started with a fully thought through integrated competition yeah. that worked for all of the nations and achieved the long-term objectives and the as well. clubs and, and the, clubs. the clubs yeah totally and the clubs I, I totally it, agree it so. seems like this is happening in isolation from the clubs which exactly. is just crackers it's, it doesn't it, make sense crackers is the word mate crackers is the word uh, but at least I will say it looks like finally the penny has dropped that you you can have all the campaigns you can talk about welfare you can talk about X, Y and Z but actually you need to get the money in and the Six Nations decision whether you agree with it or not the, the Nations Cup decision those will make uh, they, those will bring in more cash in the case of the Nations League in the case of the Six Nations I'm all for it because it will cr- it will uh, harness the interest for the reasons yeah. you said JB it condenses the competition people can follow the stories get into it and that's going to be better yeah I completely, get rid- I, I completely I'm completely down with getting rid of the Six Nations rest weekend but I get rid of them both get Just rid of them both yeah why, why do we need them Five, yeah. five games in five weekends what's the big deal they can have the rest weeks either side yeah actually yeah, which, that's a much better which, idea which they do anyway <laughs> they do have the, the rest weeks if you're um, playing in the country that you're um, playing for or you've got it written into your contract although I'm pretty sure that Jack Willis ironically had more rest than the England boys because Toulouse just treat him better <laughs> well, he missed the first game, didn't he? Because he couldn't meet up with the England squad. But th- was that not an England rule, not a Toulouse rule? No, because he was playing... Yeah. I think the, he played on the Sunday night of the... Like, so he they, missed the first couple of days in camp. Basically. Yeah, he missed the uh, he missed camp time. Uh, um, uh, we forgot to mention in the England squad, just worth mentioning, as you mentioned, Jack Willis, that his brother Tom yes. is squad. Is he? And so did, Zach, Zach Mercer yeah, yeah. out... Who's moved from Montpellier back to Gloucester to play for England? And Tom Willis, who's at Bordeaux, yeah. is in the English. Do you think squad. Zach Mercer might be making a phone call? <laughs> Can I come back, please. Well, that that back row we, we kind of touched on. Yeah, 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 we but didn't that, talk about the back row. The back row, other than Don Brandt, who does stand out a little bit. Um, probably you put him in that Zach Mercer role when things are going good. Looks fantastic when things yeah. are, where, he's not necessarily known for his hard work no everyone else on that is work rate players yeah yeah is um the boy from Saracens in there who I love Ben Earl Ben Earl, ben Earl ben is in. so it's Ludlam George Martin Tom Pearson Sam Underhill who's yeah. apparently looking good and in good shape and fighting fit Ben Earl the Willis brothers, Jack and Tom, the will I? and Tom mm. Curris. Uh, Tom Curris. Tom Curry. <laughs> Ben's injured, isn't he? Ben is. Curris. That's a new thing. Like we had. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We Willis had. Uh, we had. Uh, Kun- 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 Kunderhill. Kunderhill. Now yeah. we've got. Uh, what do you say? Curris. Curris. Yeah. Um, so that is a that's a work rate back row combination, yeah. and and I do think you can get a back row. Tom Pierce. Tom Pierce in it. Three seven, three Pearson six and Willis a half. Curry. Yeah, 
Willis, so Willis Jack, Curry, Jack Willis, Curry, Pearson, or, or oh, Ludlam. Ludlam's got Ludlam's wearing the shirt. Lud- no, unless he's been sent home. Ted Hill's there, isn't he? He was. He's at home. He's not there anymore. So I think he could be like a world class operator. I think that there was a shootout between him. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And George Martin for that spot. Yeah, and maybe. Martin has won it. Both but big, I, I both think big tough, defensive players. Both yeah. Yeah. Defensive players, yeah. Very tough. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like Ted Hill. He Pearson, me. Willis, Curry. I like the sound of that as a back row. Yeah, yeah it's all, it can carry. It does it, that back row does everything. Yeah. I think if Ted Hill was Welsh, he might be captain of Wales. I really, he's that sort of player. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just superb. Oh, like, Scotland, like um, Jamie Richard or Ted Hill. Yeah, yeah, like, similar players. If they wanted to, if WWE wanted to resurrect um, a IRS. IRS, yes. With his little specs, he looks like he. He looks like he could be. Oh, he's got that kind of um, Clark Kent, Superman kind of thing. He looks <laughs> like a little nerdy office guy by day, and then a, a so warrior at the weekend. Thing is, though, the problem with Clark Kent is like he was actually a small man in a suit, and then you put him in spandex and you know, so on and so forth. You can't hide Ted Hill; he's enormous. <laughs> yeah. Like he's going to have to wear one of those linebacker suits with the twenty, like the twenty-eight <laughs> buttons. <laughs> Oh dear! Yeah, poor, poor Ted Hill. I know. I thought he'd, he'd have a chance, but I, d- I do think it's it was a sh- shootout between those two. Shall I run through a couple of emails? Yes, please. please. Do. Uh, the- oh, do you want to talk about a story which is in the Times af- after this? Sure. Um, Siobhan Catagan story. Have you heard this? Uh, I haven't heard this. I'll I'll get up the article. Yeah, you get up the article uh, while I'm going it's through. It's quite harrowing. Actually, just just as one little interlude, did you watch any of the Ashes today? I know the it. score, but I didn't watch it. Did you see that? Did you see that? I'm interested in what you what, what you so, make and mapping the controversial incident onto rugby. So, did you see what happened? Was this an appeal for Bearstow? No. So, yeah, Johnny yeah. Be- Johnny Bearstow was was stumped technically. It was it run out, but it was stumped. The wicketkeeper uh, Johnny Bearstow ducked a bouncer. The ball went back to the uh, the wicketkeeper. Johnny Bearstow sort of did the little tap with his foot to signify, like, I'm in, that's end of the over. Yeah, yeah. And he started walking down the pitch to have a chat to Ben Stokes, by which time the, the wicketkeeper had already lobbed the ball. 
and so it hit the stumps after he'd started his walk at what he thought was the end of the over. The other a bit of evidence I chuck into this is by the time the ball was hitting the stumps, the umpire was also handing the cap to the Australian bowler. So Does that signify something? Well, end an umpire doesn't, do, doesn't start handing caps to bowlers unless he thinks it's kind of end of, end over. of over. However, in, in, in the letter of the law, that was out. Johnny Bairstow was given out. The Australian captain could have said, oh no, we withdraw our, our appeal, which has been done before. Equally, like a sportsmanship thing. A sportsmanship thing. Equally, you could just say, well, Johnny Bairstow was stupid. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious that there are different opinions being lobbed around. The, the fans very much made their, their point of view. I'm down with stupid. Rules, rules. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because on the there's a, there's an equivalent one in this um, in cricket, which is the bowler bowling the the non-striking batsman backing up leaves their crease before the bowler's released the ball. Does the bowler knock the, the bails off? In my view, yes. That, I, I think that well, I think that is fair game because you, you, you used to play cricket, didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so did I. Did but did you ever see that happen? Uh, because I, I used to be a, a no, I used to be I a ne- bowler. I used to be like, um, uh, I, I was a bowler, and I'd have quite a long run up, fast bowler and stuff. And uh, the number of times, quite often, if I thought the the the, the non-striking batsman was backing up too fast to try and get ahead of me, like, like stealing a base in baseball, right, okay. yeah, 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 I would just stop my run and just just yeah, gesture yeah, the yeah. ball to the stumps to tell the umpire, watch him, because if he yeah. does that, if he does that again. I'll have him, and yeah. that's that. That's the yeah, that's, that's the way the, you did the it. Done, but that's you would like just go. I'm just the, warning you. But the laws of the game, rules of the game, is so I could have whipped, I could have whipped the bales off and taken yeah, them out, yeah. but, I, but I never did. Yeah, and, and you never saw it happen. Yeah, you absolutely should do that. But I'm you let that on your friends. I'm okay because <laughs> I think it is. It's a bit laziness from the from the non-striking batsman. So I'm okay. I I think the best thing to do is exactly what you did. But I am actually okay. Because everyone knows that uh, it's it's a bit naughty. You're playing on the edge. This is a. I think it's a bit different. But the by the letter of the law, as I understand it, it the rules are there. The the, the rules were followed. Yeah. It was upheld. Well, and it, but it is a. I don't know. It does stick in the craw a little bit. This one. There's a weird CrossFit analogy for this mm-hmm. oh well done yeah so CrossFit has got <laughs> so many weird little laws and the problem is they change con- continuously con- continuously like what What? Uh, like can you step up or step down from, yeah, b- from burpees yeah honestly it's like so you used to be able to jump up, up onto a box and now you've got to know or you're allowed to jump down from the box or do you have to step down from the box oh uh, okay like, silly little things like that so we were in a competition and we were doing snatching and then and then overhead squat and you were not allowed to release the bar at the top of your squat for speed. So you've got to bring the bar down to the floor and then you can move on. And if you did, it'd be a no rep. I got no rep twice for that because I was dropping the bar and I was moving on. So you got... Part of, this, part of the sport is actually to focus on the t- rules that you've been told despite going at, you know, God knows how many beats a minute mm. heart rate. There was a competition today and we had a pair, a, a pair of girls get, um, in. They were placed second, I think, and she released the handles of her skier too low and you're not allowed to oh, so, it whips, down, so it whipped whips up and the and, and the punishment for that you had your skier reset to zero oh. so they lost like seven places absolutely hard oh. but the rules were explained mm. and you know you will but learn this, I mean, not, that's uh, to me that's a ridiculously harsh rule uh, oh god I felt sorry for it but on this on the on the cricket one it is it's slightly different again because the 
the common perception is that if you kind of tap in or, or strike in at the end of the over, you've done your duty. Yeah, if it was the, f- the, f- the first, second, third, fourth or fifth ball of the over... Yeah, and I think it's different because, but it was the fact that it was the it was the end of the over, and when you see Johnny Bairstow's foot movement, he sort of goes like it's like a deliberate. In, yeah, yeah, I'm in. So how, what could he do different? Just stay still. He just, could, he stay, could just still stay still with his foot in the for, crease for an extra three or four. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but he thinks it's over, right? So and yeah, he, yeah, and yeah. he did Ooh, a sort yeah. of he, yeah. He he, it was like I've ducked the ball. Oh, the wicketkeeper's caught it in with his foot, we'll go and, then, and then he walked but, on. Now, uh, now you would add to that that. If it was a spin bowler, so the keeper is up, he's not leaving that crease until like he's made eye contact with the the keeper because he's a keeper himself. Because it's a fastball, it was green, wasn't it? Yeah. Fast bowler, so the keeper is like fifteen yards back, so there's no chance of a stumping. But he did get stumped. It was technically out via stumping, even though there's no chance of a stumping. So it, it's this weird. Like, everyone on that pitch will have done. Exactly. Every single man, the, the 22 players, will have done eg- identical to what Bairstow did today dozens of times, hundreds of times in many of those instances, and this one has caught them out. But just to relate it, relate it to rugby, it's one of those times where you go, it's uh, it's the laws versus values yeah. kind of thing. People, people can poo-poo or rugby values, and I, I, do, I do think sometimes we talk about them too much. and. Yeah, and actually just focus on the laws. But like you say, sticking the cross. I, I think values are valuable, and uh, yeah, they're not the number one thing. If you're carrying talking about them, you have them. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, it was, it was, it was <laughs> interesting. Um, sport versus um, well, just pure sport versus spirit of sport. Yeah, the I guess from if you look at it from an Australian lens, so the the keeper throws the ball at the end of the over because he knows the over's done it's Carey the keeper wasn't it well they say that, that but, they also said that he'd noticed a few balls before that he was creeping out ah uh, okay so he's he is actually playing it and you've got to give, give him credit yeah but when he throws the ball Besto is actually in his crease yeah so it's a it is a bit of a weird one from mm. their side yeah anyway what is done is done. Yeah, and England two nil down. Out front, I, wow. I, know. I, I always, Have I always, seen that? In front. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, mostly peaceful protests. Goodness <laughs> me. Um, but speaking of France, Poso to Alangi, uh, and you're like, this. oh yeah, Phil Atkinson sent us some uh, newspaper articles from the French newspapers, French rugby paper about Perpignan's young star, son of former Perpignan skipper Henry to Alangi. 18 years old big strong boy playing yeah. for France under 20s under 20s yes. yeah and, th- and th- there's enough words you can make out in this article <laughs> not least the headline which says Poso Posolo Tuolangi Destructor de Blacks uh, there's enough words you can spot in this article that makes you go they're, they're, this is a newspaper celebrating someone being physically dominant and bullying an opposition which I thought you'd appreciate so thank you Phil Atkinson for that yeah, I've um, seen some of the highlights. So that reminds me, when I go to Spain, well, I didn't, I didn't this time, but usually, uh, usually when I was Spain, and we stay in a nice hotel rather than basically a dormitory like we did. Uh, <laughs> I, went, um, I always like to read the Spanish papers. I can't read a word of Spanish, but I can usually put together the pictures with like enough words <laughs> to realise. So in Malaga, they had a massive drug bust. Yeah, you were, you were telling me that they've seized 
uh, yeah, two hundred kilos of cocaine and off the coast of Malaga. Yeah, so I always like to say, and also the Spanish papers. Well, the Malaga paper seems to be very interested in local politics, which is really interesting. And they also had a little bit about the Tongans. Which, uh, yeah, was that was nice. cool. Because Tongu, to, Tongu, unless unless uh, the article's like these these drugs haven't been seized this year. Possibly. Yeah, this is what hasn't happened. <laughs> on a similar, on a celebration, theme, <laughs> yeah. on a similar theme of uh, big strong boys and physicality, not of uh, drug busts. Um, Stuart Hamilton Smith, contact headchasers at gmail dot com, said, um, "Hello, chaps, pod blah." etc. Staying with friends who've previously lived in New Zealand, they've just introduced me to a New Zealand TV version of Trans World Sport if you remember the one from Saturday mornings Mm. So Trans World Sport's very different They cover stuff like (laughs) Kabaddi Golf (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a a, very different show Yeah, Kabaddi used to be on Trans World Sport uh, every weekend uh, Golf and Baseball. It's, It's called The Crowd Goes Wild I am familiar with it but you, I, I agree with Stuart, who, who says people should go and check this out. He says, why can't we have sports programmes like this in the UK? I want amateur presenters with stagnant pauses and comedy quips about trampolining. Yeah. It's a bit up and down, mate. Uh, and a piece <laughs> so, of... Yeah, that was class, wasn't it? So this is back in the day before, like, internet and stuff. and uh, So everything seems to be more... Everything seems to be more specialised now, more serious. But back when there's no internet, you'd have this on like a Saturday morning, wouldn't you? And it'd mm. cover everything from, like, I seem to remember people wanting to watch touring cars and yeah. lorry racing yeah. and all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, most importantly, I want segments like theirs that are called Smashed and Bro. Which yes. Is a, which is a top five hits of the week from various contact sports, union, NRL, even NFL, all, with, all with a crowd screaming, smished and bro. <laughs> After every hit. I've seen this. <laughs> um, he just said it was joyful. So uh, definitely check that one out. Thank you. And um, I, I've got to say as well, and I'm going to, I know this is just for, for my benefit, although I'm going to, uh, Jean-Jacques is going to try and, help me out getting you guys to France but I've had a load of people getting in touch who are going to be based in Lille Nice Marseille Ooh. Lyon and you're looking forward to going to France are you? I'm very excited <laughs> about going to France yeah a bit of civil unrest I, I'd be disappointed if I didn't get a bit of that in France <laughs> that's if the generals let, <laughs> let you in after they take over tomorrow night yeah quite but uh, Jean-Jacques uh, I'm just going to mention this one of many and contact edchanges at gmail.com if you're going to be in France for the World Cup let me know where let me know when Let's catch up and have a beer, and uh, and well, I'm going to be travelling on my own, so I'm looking for people to hook up with, and mm. yeah, it'd be good. Anyway, uh, Jean-Jacques says, uh, it'd be great to catch up in France if you're about. My friend Gary and I have an itinerary as follows. I'm just, just throwing this on. out for, for JB. He says, Friday the 8th, France v New Zealand. Mm. It, that that will that's such yeah. a big game. Uh, then 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 he's on train. Uh, uh, oh, I'm assuming it's a train down to Marseille. The TGV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marseille. Train down to Marseille for England v Argentina. But then and just this making it a weekend. And this is the sort of thing you could also do. It doesn't all have to be rugby. On the Sunday after that, uh, Jean Jacques and Gary are going to sail GP at Saint Tropez, just wow. down the coast. That is quite cool. And maybe thinking about being lanyard wankers in VIP because it has limitless booze. Um, uh, and, yes. they, and they say, <laughs> yeah. they say, come join, please bring JB, so we can all we can share all the heterodox views. <laughs> <laughs> I had an amazing offer 
I think my offer still stands. I'll have to check it out. Um, my offer was to go to the World Cup and meet the president slash owner of Biarritz. Wow. Awesome. And I've not... How I, did this come about? Long, long story. <laughs> um, and I just come... Until you mentioned that then, I was like, yes, I should really do that, shouldn't I? I was like, that's the thing I should really do. Point is that, that south coast of France, there's a lot more going on than just the rugby. Well, absolutely there is. It's one of my favourite places. On, I mean, per- Perpignan's not far away from Barcelona, JB. It's not, is it? I love Barcelona. I tell you what, though, I had some... Well, at the times at Wimbledon Well, Biarritz is not far away from Barcelona, mate. No. Well, the times that we, well, the yeah, it's Basque, isn't it? So it's, it yeah. must be near Spain somewhere. It's um, near Bilbao, isn't it? Like the nights that we've had in Nice, it was in Nice. Yeah, oh, that's superb. Yeah, Actually, nice, the best nice, nights. Yeah, Nice was great. We watched. We had about mate. We caned um, espresso martinis while watching had the first Six a Nations game. Belting night. So <laughs> it was an. It was a day that Byron got two tries, but should have yeah, got three right. against um, Australia. They, they beat Australia, didn't and they? As, as it pains for the bar to know that I know Byron. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> needs to know us. Everyone needs to know us, right? Uh, then we watched France. That was France. France, Japan. J- no, that was no, the late kickoff. Japan. 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 Over some something. Maybe Arapol Spritz. That uh, was Arapol Spritz, yeah. Maybe something like that. And we saw another one. What was the other one we watched? Oh, there was there was a couple. Uh, what glorious I, I can't remember. It was great. The Scotland-Australia game was great. But what a great time. So consider consider spending some time oh, look, I'm not on, saying, on I'm, France. Yeah, I'm not mm. saying no, no to a weekend in the south of France. Especially if it yeah, involves maybe, the maybe Sa- could, Sa- Saint-Tropez Grand could, Prix. I mean, maybe we could stretch to a, f- I, a few I, days I here or there. To. I mean, goodness. I'll think about it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, if, if I could... Yeah, I'd... If if any nice hoteliers in the south of France would would have JB and Phil at altitude, <laughs> sure they will. Let us know. Um, but yeah, a bunch of those. Um, What's the other email? Yeah, so my my lesson from going to Japan is yeah. I don't want to go to any games. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not interested in going to games. Uh, I want to watch it on TV in bars. So we don't need to go to. Oh, that's that's pretty busy. easy. Yeah, isn't it? I, mean, yeah, I know well, you want to do the makes game. it more well, doable. No, well, no, but th- this is this is what I think is quite cool about it because it's so spread out. I'm not even going to try and travel around enough to go to all the games. I won't. Okay, I won't get to Nantes as one of the venues. I'm not going to get to Bordeaux or or Toulouse. I don't, no, Toulouse isn't a venue, is it? Or maybe it is. Yes, it is. Pre- yeah, presumably Toulouse. So, Toulouse must so be. I don't think I'll get to those just because of the itinerary and where games are. So I, yes, I will go and see a couple of games in the weekend. I'm in Marseille, but then there'll be. Five, six other games going on. Marseille does not appeal to me right this. No, second. Nice the second weekend then. Yeah, Nice appeals to me more. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, the f- um, and then Leon, foodie capital of the world. Yeah, I do Leon. On the- if only I knew someone who had experience with Leon. <laughs> yeah, Fernsey will be able to hook you up. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I fanc- no, so I most, most of the time is most of the time I'm going to be spending in bars doing exactly what you what you're saying. It's exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. As a professional. <laughs> if there's any bars left. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm guessing the World Economic Forum will get the ones that the um, future doctors and scientists don't. So, contact headchasers at gmail dot com. Um, you were going to mention a story. I'll see if there's any. Right. Okay. You need to sort of um, take a deep breath for this one because it's a really quite an awful story. This is um, the story of Siobhan Catagon. Uh, this is an article which uh, has shown up. In the Times by David Walsh. I believe David Walsh covered this before, actually. So, uh, if you don't remember it... It's been an, on- an ongoing story that's been covered in a number of publications, that the death of a Scottish 
Yeah, it was with, with an international ago. rugby player. Okay, so the gist of it is, um, the gist of it is this. How can I say? I'm trying to sort of summarise it because it's such a com- uh, such a complex story. Well, so the bare facts are uh, a Scottish international woman died, and it's unclear at this point and alleged by the family that that was not just a cause of uh, a concussive event that happened whilst playing but but a con- but then subsequent ne- subsequent neglect yeah as a consequence of subsequent yeah neglect neglect and mistreatment and cover and a- a- allegations of cover up cover up whitewashing i think i Ob- think obfuscation by the SRU i think in a way probably the least serious but like simultaneously the most serious accusation is lack of care i don't mean you know the duty of care something like just actual lack of human human care because the way that this is framed by david walsh and by the catacons that the sru want nothing to do with it they've sort of turned turn their back that will be that they've run through their processes and now they want to sort of close like close the book Cl- close ranks close the book um the, the suggestion from the family is they're they're concerned at least that well one it's taken several years they're not sure when, if, how the report's going to be published, if it will be kept quiet, will all the findings be revealed? Have they been thorough in trying to find out all the information mm. because the family aren't sure that they don't feel like they've been involved in the process? And so, well, the, well, the, so this is a this is a strange yeah, one for me. Yeah. So, so, there's a, so, so the obvious way to look at this and the way it's been framed and the only lens to look at this through is that this is a. Um, it's a tragedy, and we can all agree mm. on that. That the 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 difficulty is is passing out. What was the cause? Uh, what was the what, if any, was the negligence organisationally that or individually that led or or had any impact or made worse this situation, which we, which we don't know. And there are you can understand the the upset. There are serious allegations being made by the family. And there's serious defence being mounted by the union. So I understand how David Walsh has written this story. And I understand that he's not going to write this story after speaking to the parents without it having a slant towards the parents. I think that's very Mm -hmm. important. That's how how you get the story. And maybe that's the right way to write it. And and he's... he's, uh, The story, and it's worth reading in the Times, he is, as you say, he's constructing the story from sitting down and chatting to the parents and the family. So it contains lots of quotes which say, they believe that... It yeah. is the family, they... What's the accusation? What is the exact accusation? That's what I want to hear. Because it takes about 10 minutes to read that. I know, because, you know, I've read it to you boys. And throughout it, it's a lot of conjecture, but there's not actually very much hard evidence as to what the SRU were meant to have done. There's lots of inu- insinuation what they've done. And I think one of the most unfair ones was uh, some criticism of... Uh, Doctor, Ro- what's his name? Robson. James, Rob- James Robertson. Ro- Robertson. Oh, Robson. Robson. James Robson. Robson. The, yeah. the former the, the Lions, British, yeah. uh, British and Irish Lions uh, lead doctor of for many at all. Mm. Yeah, and the reason I think it's unfair is because allegedly he has picked up this case in conjunction with another SRU doctor, and it, it was his advice to stay with the, with the NHS. Now I can only assume he's done that. I mean, I'm assuming, of course. First, do no harm and all that. Yeah, because, well, he's a doctor, for, for, for mm. start, so he knows the range of services. I just wonder how they'd treat it if it was the other way around. And the NHS offered a superior service, but the SRU decided to keep it in-house. Would the accusation then be, well, they wanted to keep it in-house to make sure that no, you know, that no one found out? It seems to me everything the SRU have done here 
And it might not have been good enough, but I don't think it ever would have been good enough. There again, I don't, I'm not that surprised because someone's lost their daughter. So mm. you know, I can't imagine anything they would do was good enough. But I think there is a... I think David Walsh should have given a bit more balance. I mean, it's clear that he's tried to contact many, many people. But I don't think it's also fair to say, well, you know, the Pinsent Mason... Um, sorry, Pinsent Mason and the law firm that are doing a review of this internally for the SIU. Yeah, not an independent review, a yeah. review for the SIU. Yeah, and, you know, there's no obligation to do an independent mm. review also. I mean, that's an important point. I mean, if you don't... If you haven't got a, a concrete bit of evidence or concrete accusation right now, there's no obligation to do... I mean, the fact that they bought in Pinsent Mason itself is a form of independence in my mind. So I don't think it's fair to mention that, but also not point out it is reasonable for the SRU to look and consider that report before releasing it particularly if there are external legal consequences because apparently the authorities in Scotland might want to have a look well in that case they're absolutely right to keep their counsel I mean and that's mm. it's awful to say but that that is the right thing to do there's another thing which really bothers me about this as well which is this story was covered about 12 months ago and in that story I believe it's from David Walsh as well I'd need to check the accusation was that the SRU encouraged other members of the team not to go to the funeral. Now, if that accusation was true, I have no doubt it would have ended up in that article. And that was written. So, if that was written by David Walsh, and I'll need to check, it, he should actually say, this was this was alleged and this did not this, happen. Yeah. Because he's not mentioned it. Yeah. And I don't think that that's very fair at all. On the one hand, I completely understand what the parents are going through. On the other hand, I think it does require a little bit more balance because this is the sort of story which will ruin rugby. I mean, I mean, in the grand scheme I mean, of things, it's not that important to, to the Catagans. But it is important to the sport and it is important to the reporting of the sport. So the, the story's not that important to the Catagans? Sorry, rugby's not that important rugby's to the Catagans. Yeah, right, so what I'm saying, like, course. It, you know, it might ruin rugby. I completely understand that that is not yeah, their I mean, thinking. This, but yeah, this incident um has ruined the catacombs life but rugby it would be pale to them rugby pales into insignificance to the pain that they're feeling but i do get what you you're saying that this for for people who are probably casual rugby fans or or not even rugby fans but whose family members might be playing this is just another piece of evidence and of the, yeah. the dangers of and the harm of rugby from and it's, you're adding it to weight of other things. And a lot of um, general press on rugby recently, uh, in many instances, thanks to our uh, rugby's own um, almost guilt or need need to flog itself. Yes, it's, it's there's a lot of negative perceptions about rugby. Yeah, in the air at the moment. So I think, it, but uh, but that that doesn't mean that like, if the SRU have been. Well, this is a tragedy anyway, so it should be reported. And if the FSU have done anything wrong, then that should not be covered up because people need to know. I'm very conflicted about this because, I, I mean, how would I react? I mean, I know I react irrationally at the best of times, like, <laughs> you know, in, in a situation nowhere near as serious as this. Would I, would I talk to the SRU if, in the de- if I thought they were responsible for death of family? Almost certainly not. Yeah. Almost certainly not. But on the other hand... I then find it very difficult to criticise the SRU if they have asked for contributions and they've not been brought forward. Mm. Because if there's something that they, that, they, that they know, that could be the missing piece. I also understand that they want an independent inquiry. I think it's a, 
it's just an incredibly sad story. That's, yeah, that's what yeah. An incredibly sad story. It really is. To think, ugh, it's not even worth thinking about. Yeah. Uh, but you're right, the reporting needs to be done responsibly. Uh, and if I mean, there's nothing massively wrong with it. No, no, nothing um, massively wrong with it. That's not the point. But you're right, if there are things which come to light, which are uh, shared and then found not to be the case, that should be made, that should be made clear. Yeah, and, you know, I... The really difficult one is the fact that Katakin had a head injury, which she undoubtedly did have, but then it's not been recorded. But to me, that's not enough evidence to say, oh, it was definitely the head injury that caused the subsequent events. There's just not, there's just not enough evidence. That's a really, it's a really, well, we talked about this on last yeah. week's podcast that, or, or a couple of weeks ago. That's a really high, it's a really high bar to prove there are no other factors and that there was negligence just in, I'm not talking about this case mm. just generally for, for the for the guys going through the lawsuit currently that, that's made so much news but yeah. again it's, an, it's another occasion where there's a a lawsuit and, uh, or there's a there's a there's a high profile story surrounding this element of rugby mm. and yeah that's reg- that's regrettable even beyond what we talked about the tra- mm. tragic nature of the story overall but no I think it's well worth you bringing up JB and uh, I think people should go and have a look at the story yeah mm. and also if you can find the original one I mean I've only just picked this up today because it's in today's Sunday Times I'm going to go back and have a read of the original one because I seem to remember the accusations towards the SRU were pretty heinous and they seem not to have emerged in this story yeah, I think yeah. that's really interesting that's actually yeah and I mean, there, there will be when that report does get released if it ever does get released it may well be uh, maintained internally for the SRU what would you do with it? depends what's in it what would make you keep it? Uh, if it was, um, it's an interesting one because you'd want if there's any serious breaches. I think that needs to come out. Like, uh, I've, yeah, you can't if there is serious breaches that has p- contributed or potentially contributed to a player within your care's death. You can't, you can't hide that. Yeah, the interesting ones for me are things like the term duty of care. I need to see what is written down in terms of duty of care. I mean, I don't just... Because it's banded around so widely and so poorly. I think there is a duty of care thing going on here, but I don't know if it... There's definitely a duty of care to your injured players, right? But I don't know if it applies to this player in this situation, because I don't know, it's not clear from the story, that the... The injury history... The the injury caused the subsequent spiral. Yeah, and there was only one injury mentioned, really, of any note in the story, which is one where there's allegations of misreporting of the injury, not necessarily allegations of poor care. And I've got a feeling it's one of those reports that will trip you up on your own safeguarding. So, you know, if in that report it comes out that, well, you di- you know, your, your protocol was on Zoom rather than... I don't know if that's going to make a material difference, but if that comes out as that's a serious breach, well, it's a serious breach, OK... Do you lose that, your job? Is yeah, it, yeah. What was the consequence of that breach in this instance? Yeah, yeah. Did, it, exactly. Was that a fundamental contributing factor, or not? Yeah, and it's same for I the mean, was I, was that head injury reported? Yes or no? And in this situation, because of the way that sadly the way that she died, to say that nobody came round to see her in those subsequent days, well, how would they know? Mm. You know, it's not like you've got somebody in hospital and it's expected. It's not expected. You'd have to be going to see someone every every second of the day, mm. and again, it's a really difficult one to discuss 
but that's a re- you know that's one of those accusations which you just level at someone and say hey you didn't come come and see this person a week before the a week before the event but how would you know that that yeah, event was forthcoming yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think from the SRU's perspective given that articles so we're now over a year since um, the tragic death well over a year um, then there will be um, and there's still articles being produced then there will be eyes on that report so mm. there's there's almost no way that they can't publish it because even if it was perfect like they've exoneration yeah. yeah total exoneration they've done everything within their powers and gone above and beyond the fact that they don't um, report it looks as if something yeah. has gone wrong they have so they to, have yeah, to, yeah they the have only to, thing to do is be open and honest and if that highlights some failings on their side they've got to be open and honest I about think, that and put action in place that corrects them in future i think if the parents want to see the medical records and whatnot i mean i can't imagine what there'd be what else there'd be investigating but if the parents want to see the medical records and they want those medical they records to, public they just have to make them public yeah. like there is no yeah as, as long as, they, they, yeah, as, long as the parents yeah yeah because it'd be parents' confidentiality on the uh, the medical records. If the parents want to make it public, that should be entirely within their gift. Yeah. So I'm not even sure why they. I'm not. I don't think I'd even get solicitors involved. I'd just say, look, here is all all, all the information. Let David Walsh look at the information. Mm. I mean, I don't know why you need some solicitors at great cost. And I do think the SRU are absolutely right to put their staff. Uh, not first and foremost, but they are right to consider their staff. Oh yeah. Because it's getting dragged through because it will have been. Terrible for the staff, anyway. Yeah. Because actually, the people who look after rugby players on a day-to-day basis really do care. They care about the rugby players massively. So to have that insinuation that you do not care—I mean, if this story is about men- the mental health of a rugby player fundamentally, endangering the mental health of all of your other staff mm. in order to get to the bottom of this story doesn't strike me as a particularly wise, wise idea. Mm. Having all that stress, so yeah. it's a very, very complex story. Well, I, I think, yeah, yeah I, I think <coughs> I agree. More transparency, the better. Sunlight, the best disinfectant, mm-hmm. and all that. Yep. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to finish with this email um, because we, we've had a little question. Contact TedChasers at gmail dot com. Oh no, I've actually got a couple. Um, mm. Anyway, so yeah, uh, Victor Marinich or Marin uh, Marinich Marinich. Sorry, if I'm saying that wrong. Anyway. Uh, I think there must be a, yeah, there must be an American family travelling over for the Rugby World Cup. Anyway, oh, wow. awesome. I know. So they're they're going to be in Nice. I think uh, Leon. Yes, they're going to be in Leon. Well, I'm in Leon. Uh, anyway, so I'm, I might catch up with the the Baronichi. <laughs> you just showing off again about your no, no, amazing no, no, no. trip you've oh, got no, planned. No, nothing. <laughs> no, but yeah, this. Sorry. They said on a related note, um, the reason I purchased the tickets package that I did with the family for the Rugby World Cup, I did it because we expected the US to make it. Oh no! Oh, Uruguay no. took that spot, <clears throat> and Chile beat us for Americas too. Mm. Uh, so my podcast question to you is: What does USA Rugby need to do so as not to embarrass themselves by missing out on the Rugby World Cup when it's on home soil? They must get an automatic. They spot. do. Yeah, there's no way they're not playing. No. Yeah. So I mean, that that, that one sorted. But to the broader point, um, if I suddenly put you in charge of USA Rugby, what would you do, JB? Phil. I, th- I, th- I think well, they're doing quite a lot. Yeah. Right. Because the, the, uh, you f- um, follow more MLR than me or JB, Tim, but just having a domestic league is quite a big step up from... And certainly um, Chile and Uruguay do not have a professional... Uh, Georgia do not have a professional nope. um, internal league. Argentina, Argentina do not have a professional league. 
I do think the question is somewhat misguided, though. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say that. Because I don't think it is an embarrassment to lose to Chile. I don't think it is an embarrassment to lose to Uruguay. They they won those games fair and square. Um, I mean, we'll see how they fare in the World Cup. But with all due respect to the United States, they've only fared so well in World Cups. So to find out if it's an embarrassment, we're going to have to see how both these both these countries do in September. Um, in terms of what I do, I think I would try and... I would try and find private money first and foremost, and private owners. That 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 would be, be be my first thing. Which they've obviously managed to get through. MLR yeah, and they seem to, to be doing. They seem to be doing okay because if you talk to a lot of rugby players who are not top level, or some who have been top level, America still remains one of the top locations that they they like to go. Mm. So you know, Ben Foden's gone there, Bastro has gone there, um, Don Waldock famously was hanging out with uh, Marnonu. No, with nurses, um, more than I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gitto and Mitchell and and one other. Uh, yeah, AAC. AAC, yeah. So they're doing something right. It's just the case, as always. They're also doing another thing right. They've sent a load of schoolboy age American rugby prospects to school in South Africa. Now that mm. wow. I mean, when you say doing things right, what do you mean, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, doing things getting wrong. the same diet, ah, and, okay. uh, the nutritional diet advice, and nutrition training programs. Got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing things wrong to do things right. Sometimes <laughs> it just works, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and they've got some tremendous athletes and whatnot. Who was the team that we saw in 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 Philly? No, in oh, where was it? Oh, New Jersey. Playing for Bayonne. Who were they playing? I want to say it was Morris or something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And they were uh, class. They were yeah, really, really good. Great outfit. Uh, not only were they good, they were all mostly local lads. They had a number eight who had a handoff like a piston. I, and they're kicking... It, yeah, it's kicking ten. I think kicking, it was his brother. Yeah, it, there was a pair of brothers. Was he playing ten or... He was kicking... He might have been playing centre or fifteen. But yeah, they had some handy players. I'd also say what America's doing right is things like clubs like Bayonne Bon Bombers... Uh, who hosted us yeah. Like, yeah if you get rugby teams with crests like that on their shirt god I love which, was a, which was a woman on top of a bomb <laughs> I, I feel I feel almost as much kinship to Bayonne Bombers as I do did, did like Didsbury Talk 8 once, <laughs> once a bomber always a bomber <laughs> it was incredible that was class I mean like the, the game we had with him was great but actually the better experience was that 9am start to watch England Island with uh, England Wales was it England Wales it was England oh, Wales that was amazing that was good fun before we had to go to Red Bull ended up in an industrial uh, a, a proper a the sort of place it, I felt like I was in a in, in a Bruce Springsteen song <laughs> it was that yeah. sort of place and then these these bars just popped up and we never went to the bar and as soon as we'd finished one pint someone from Bayonne Bombers handed us the next it was, one yeah. it was did we not amazing. get there on the subway I think we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Head out to New Jersey. Yeah. I, I did not want to leave that bar. I mean, we had to leave to watch London Irish versus Saracens. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember a single... I remember... I remember um, Maitland, who was playing for Irish at the time. Great mates. Running yeah. really well. Uh, and he... Was he on the beers the night before? I don't uh, at the Irish consulate? I'm not was sure. He? Was, that, he was, was definitely... That, was that the night before? Was that was, the night yeah, before? was the night before, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the Friday night at the Irish consulate. He had a little cheeky glint in his eye. Like, yeah, Oh, yeah. man, when you think about some of the stuff we've done with this podcast, we yeah. were in the Irish consulate in New York... That was... Having Guinness. That yeah. was cool. Now, if I was... If I knew... If I, if I was the person I am now back then, 
I would automatically have judged Tom Coventry as a fraud. Just, just from listening to him talk. At that time, I was like, oh my God, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't so amazing. <laughs> it turns out. Uh, on that, a final email then. Oh, just one, oh, yeah, one on, more yeah, point just on Uruguay. Yeah. I mean, Uruguay are a, a very handy team to the point where they beat Fiji in the last World Cup. Mm. So it is worth remembering that. And don't, don't beat yourself up too badly. Because uh, yeah. USA aren't beating Fiji anytime soon. I, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. But see you in Leon. Uh, contact headchasers at gmail.com. George Hobbs. I think this will be a nice one to finish the pod on. He says, uh, pod, good, blah, JB, always right. Thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> I wanted to share a lovely example of why people who play rugby are the very best of people. I recently organised a stag do to Belgrade. Uh, fantastic city, by the way. Unfortunately, cool. the, week- the weekend we went coincided with the country's largest ever protest on gun ownership yes <laughs> oh wow hello <laughs> sorry where was this belgrade belgrade Serb- serbia. serbia bet they've got a collection of guns yeah was it not uh, serbia was the and bel uh was that that was the that it was the the black fists that that killed Archduke Franz Ferdinand was, was it, it? Were they? oh was that in so, Serbia I think they were Serbians yes they were Ser- well was it Montenegrins it, the guy remember. was maybe it was no it was Montenegro what? I think what? But I can't it was, remember it was Princip Pri- yeah uh, Gav- Gavrilo Princip yeah no, started World War One. I. I have well, no idea I mean it was the fight the straw it was the yeah, yeah. anyway uh, back to Belgrade uh, after a cracking first night and, and all a little worse for wear on the Saturday we headed to a lake for water sports and beers dressed as Baywatch lifeguards I like I like that <laughs> Unfortunately, we found both the bars and water sports facilities at this lake to be under construction. Unable to get taxis due to the aforementioned protest, we were at a bit of a loss. Luckily, in the middle of Belgrade, I spied a big strong boy in a Scotland rugby shirt. Nice. Asking if he knew the way to get a taxi, I followed him to his, into his clubhouse. There I found a bar, a TV, some family members of the club, and a, the hero of our story, Alex, who plays for BRK Sverna Svedza, which is obviously a rugby club, I think. Uh, Realising we couldn't go anywhere, again, there's this massive protest going on in Belgrade, Alex found a way for us to watch the Premiership final, poured us, poured us all a shot of Rakia, the first of many for the stag, and I bought all the beer that this clubhouse had to offer. After chatting away to his family, watching the final, and getting progressively more Belgraded, <laughs> Alex guided us back through the city's bus routes, and heading home, he joined us back at our house for escalation. Uh, he escalation? Man- yeah. He managed to book us taxis, took us to some excellent bars, and joining us in general debauchery, uh, which I will never, ever be stupid enough to put in writing. <laughs> we need to have a beer sometime. Definitely. Yeah. Or do uh, a... Um- Patreon podcast with us. Yeah, definitely. He headed off uh, as he had a game the next day. A true hero and a shining example of humanity. Thank you, Mad Mad Dog Alex. Awesome. Crikey. Love that. Love that story. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, George Hobbs is going to be in Nice. And yeah, we'll catch up with you, George. So I'll find out all the... Yeah. yeah. You should come to that just before you go to the San San Tropez sale GP. Love it. Uh, Right. Contact chases at gmail.com. Let's do a quick Patreon podcast and get spicy. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.